Welcome to episode 95 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. History is his story, which is a story of redemption. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. So glad you could take the time to listen, I believe, to this very important podcast. I want to talk to you about the Devil's Discipleship Plan and what is going on in our culture right now so that you can be alert to this. You know, the devil is not a creative being, and he does have systems in place to try to get us to think in darkness and not think enlightened, as the scripture says. When you open the book of Daniel, it's the beginning of 70 years of captivity where God handed Israel over because of their sins and their rebellions against God. And so the chronology of Daniel's, uh, the first nine chapters especially, is the process of these tyrant kings trying to bring people into a Chaldean or Babylonian worldview or thinking process that we ought to be aware of today. Now, the book of Jeremiah was written to warn Israel before this time happened. As a matter of fact, in Daniel 9, we find Daniel reading the book of Jeremiah. So we could learn something from Jeremiah and Jeremiah's warnings. I mean, just a couple verses that really pop out uh, when you read Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23, 14. Also among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing, the committing of adultery, and walking in falsehood, as they strengthen the hands of evildoers, so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become to me like Sodom, and their inhabitants like Gomorrah. So God here says, look, they weren't dealing with the, the sin of the nation. Uh, I believe one of the reasons, or one of the effects, however you want to put it, of what is happening right now, is the church's failure to deal with the shedding of innocent blood with abortion and for us being far too tolerant with the sin of homosexuality. Uh, and then when you go to Jeremiah 32, uh, in, in, in that whole passage there, where he talks about the shedding of innocent blood, it's something that should really, really get our attention when he says there were things that they have done that never even occurred to him, okay, that they would do by offering their sons to pass through the fire, which was infant sacrifice. So let's understand why Israel got in that jam in the first place. But the place I want to take you to is Daniel 1 and verse 4. I'd encourage you just to sit down and read that whole first chapter of Daniel, because in it really outlines the devil's discipleship process and how the tyrant king is going to take over the nation. But if I read verse 4 to you, I think you'll, you'll capture it pretty quickly. Youths in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, who had the ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. 
First of all, he went after royal kids. So the young people that have been raised in our churches, raised in ministry, who are creative, who are sharp, the enemy wants to capture their mind. He wants to seduce them. He wants to get them off track. They are under the most intense warfare that we could ever imagine. But he describes the process here. He says he wants to teach them the language and literature of the Chaldeans, not of Israel, not of their Jewish roots, not of Hebronic understanding, not of their family connections, but he wants to replace their history. And right now there is a move going on in our culture to replace our history. And that's not to say that all our history is good. Of course we have bad history. These people that are discovering that we had good people that did bad things uh, are acting like this is the first time they've heard it. Here's the deal. History is his story. His story is that of redemption. His story is taking frail, flawed, fragile people and in spite of themselves doing something with them. His story is not man being self-righteous or man being good enough on his own. His story, as it's revealed in Scripture more explicitly than anywhere else, is God recording his followers, many of who did really bad things. David did bad things. Many of his followers did bad things. When you read Hebrews 13 and you look at some of the lesser known people that are in the hall of faith right there, you know, you and I would not have put those people in there. You know, we would not have had Rahab the harlot uh, to be a, a, a shining woman in Scripture, okay? We, we would have found somebody else, or we would have just ignored it. Yet our history understands that there are flawed people that in spite of their flaws have done something. That doesn't justify their flaws, but it should cause us to seek God and understand how do these two things go together? How can somebody who is maybe so brilliant in one area still support slavery, which is unfathomable to me as a believer that somebody could do that in any area, or any era, I should say, even though maybe it was culturally acceptable. That's that's just not a good excuse. But to say, okay, now we're going to tear down their statue. We're going to pretend as if General Lee never existed, okay? Or that General Lee uh, is somehow different from other human beings in that he had uh, problems or he had sins. How about some of the leaders of these replacement history people? Are they suggesting to us that they've always been on the right side of things? Are they suggesting to us that even today they're on the right side of things? And where were they before George Floyd? As they've rightly pointed out in many instances, there have been gross violations of human dignity where were they? What were they doing before George Floyd? Maybe they should be put in jail for being accomplished by by being silent. Well, they're saying, well, they're not silent anymore. Well, as were some of the people whose statues are being torn down now, okay? And schools are being renamed and the names of highways and buildings being changed. Uh, listen, the enemy's attempt is to change our history. God wants us to look at our history in amazement and understand that he is a redeemer looking for a place to happen. That's the literature. That's our history. Then he says he wants to 
teach them the language of the Chaldeans. Obviously, that was, you know, their their literal tongue, their language. But it, it implies something even even better. You know, there are terms in every language that have cultural impact, okay? And so now we're having new terminologies. Like, you know, I was challenged by somebody, can't you say Black Lives Matter? I said, I believe Black Lives Matter. As a matter of fact, I believe it more than you do. I believe that all Black Lives Matter. I believe unborn Black Lives Matter, and I believe old, fragile, in the hospital Black Lives Matter. So let's say that all Black Lives Matter, because when you say, why say all Black Lives Matter, you want me to adopt a whole uh, agenda that goes with that. That agenda includes radical socialism. That, rad, that agenda includes radical, you know, lesbian, gay task force support and everything that goes with it. And I'm not going to do that. That's what that language means. You say, well, well, Keith, you're just being silly. You're just talking about words. Words mean something. Okay. When you hear a certain word, it's not just the definition of that word. It's how that word is implied. So I say, yeah, absolutely. All black lives matter. Or I've said black lives matter because they matter to Jesus and he died for them. I'm not going to adopt the language of the Chaldeans. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to use that as an opportunity to witness and talk about Christ. Uh, you know, the Bible says that our speech should be seasoned with salt. You know, a little bit of salt can really change the flavor of something. A little bit of salt, graciously done and wisely done, can really change the flavor of a conversation and maybe get people to think a little bit rather than just coming up with another problem and identifying problem. It does not take a lot of grace to identify a problem. It takes a lot of grace to inject yourself into that problem and become a real intercessor, not just praying about it, but getting in the gap and making a difference about it. Listen, the devil had a discipleship strategy many years ago. He's continued to use that discipleship strategy to replace history, to teach us the language and literature of the Chaldeans, of the heathens, those people that are railing and denying God, not submitting to God, not looking to God, not praying to God, not humbling themselves to God, not repenting to God. Okay, I am not on that side. I am not going to further that agenda. There is a real problem. I think there is a real police problem. I want to be very clear about that. But I think it's bigger than even prejudice. I think it's the microcosm of a whole government that's out of control. And we've got to be the people that know his story and stand up and tell his story that God is a redeemer. Notice that some of the people that have come out and apologized, some of them I don't understand what they're apologizing for, rather than being graciously embraced, they're being punished. Okay? So that tells us there's a whole other problem. Hey, I want to get your mind thinking. I'd encourage you to really look at Daniel 1 and read over that and not fall into the devil's discipleship. This is Keith Tusi. Share this podcast with somebody, would you? In Jesus' name. Today, Keith had a discussion on the Devil's Discipleship Plan, a plan that the enemy started long ago and continues today, a plan to change our history. But history is his story. It's God's story of taking frail, flawed, fragile people and, in spite of themselves, doing something with them. 
God wants us to look at our history in amazement and understand that He is a Redeemer looking for a place to happen. That is His story. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.